everybody. We'll have our sound checked. Our uh, musical system's a little down tonight, but we will, we're going to have a great show. Welcome Dr. Cliff Burton, friends. All righty. And also remember, if you're not talking to uh, meet yourself, we'll get started in just a second. Uh, Jim, come on in. Can you hear me? Jim? Yes. Come on in. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right. All righty. I'll unmute Steve. Steve, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. You may want to come a little right. closer to your mic. Huh? So what? Come a little closer to your mic, but you sound good. Okay, how's that? That sounds good, Steve. I'll meet you back. We'll bring you in. All right. Attorney Dixon, can you hear me? Dr. Burt. Attorney Dixon, you're unmuted. Can you hear me? Testing. Uh-oh. You may have to go out and come back in, Attorney Dixon. We can't hear anything from you. Testing. Dr. Kemp, can you hear me? Good evening. Can you hear me? All righty. Yes. I'll mute you. See if you can help Attorney Dixon because he, he's not. I can't hear him. I'll unmute him again. Let's try it again. Attorney Dixon, are you there? Can you hear me? Testing. Can't hear Attorney Dixon at all. Doesn't look like he's unmuted. Let's see if you can call him and work with him. I can't hear him. Attorney Dixon, can you hear me? Testing. Can't hear him at all. Go out and come back in, Attorney Dixon. Cliff, I think his mic is muted. muted. Okay. No, it's not muted. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it on my screen. You may have to go out and come back in. It's not muted. Let's go back out and come back in. Hello, can you hear me? Now we can. Okay. Thank you so much, Attorney Dixon. Good. <laughs> we'll sorry. get started. Welcome to the show. Hey, we're thank you get for started. having me. Absolutely. We have a great time. We're going to get started in just a second. Our musical system is not connecting tonight, but we're going to have a great time nevertheless, okay? Yes, sir. I'll meet you. We'll bring you back in. All righty. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Good evening. Welcome to another evening of Dr. Clifford Friends. 
featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. We have a great show tonight. I'm going to unmute my co-host, Dr. Marlo Kemp, and then I'll unmute Jim Waddell. We'll have him say hello, and then we're going to introduce our special guest, Attorney Reggie Dixon, Reginald Dixon, a little bit later on, in about 25 minutes for a special interview. And we're going to introduce a special guest who will be joining our team in the next week or so. So, starting with you, Dr. Kemp. Tell them hello, and welcome, everybody. All right, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the show. Glad that you're joining us and listening in today. All righty. Thank you. Jim, tell everybody hello. Hey, hello. Good evening. I think we have a great show, and you guys be ready to have a great show. All right, now. Great. And then I want to welcome a special guest. He's a basketball coach himself. He's the son of a legendary high school basketball coach. And a uh, little under the weather, but we want to introduce him tonight. He'll be joining us over the next six to eight months, uh, bi-weekly, weekly. He'll be helping us with the basketball analyzation at the collegiate level and also the high school level and the pro level. He's an expert in it. And I want to welcome my brother and my long-term friend, none other than Mr. Stephen Wright. Coach Stephen Wright, tell everybody hello, Steve. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for having me. It means more to me than you, you could ever know. Oh, Coach, welcome aboard. It's a great show. We're coming up on our first year anniversary, and we are looking forward to having you and bringing all your expertise to Dr. Clifford and friends. All right. Our show, as you know, features the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. We want to welcome our 10 guests who are already come in the engagement room and our other five that are already in the studio that can type in the chat. We have a 10-second moment of silence before we get started tonight in remembering Tasha Butts. All righty. The basketball world is sadly. Georgetown University women's basketball coach Tasha Butts yesterday, I believe, passed from breast cancer, 41 years young. As many know but can remember, Tasha Butts was an outstanding player. She played Pat Summit, University of Tennessee, in the years of 2000, I believe, to 2004. She was drafted by the Minnesota Lynx in the WNBA, played one year, and then she's going to have Extensive coaching career started at Kane. I think she was at UCLA, went to LSU. Uh, then also recently got the head coach job at Georgetown. And she never got to coach her first game. Unfortunately, breast cancer, doing breast cancer month, has taken the life of Tasha Butts. We're going to start with you, Dr. Kemp. Give us your thoughts on this terrible disease. We just lost Tennessee Ball Nikki McCrae about three or four months ago. I'm not sure if it was the breast cancer. But not Tasha Butts. What do you think? I'm so sad to just hear the news of Coach um, Butts passing. Um, you know, for metastatic breast cancer. You know, and I know that they have um, new drugs that are out now for metastatic breast cancer, um, which means that of course it can spread to other organs in the body. Uh, but it's just sad, and you know that um, you know that she definitely couldn't you know, continue to battle and beat this um, horrific disease. Um, this is Breast Cancer Month, so hopefully everyone, 
you know, especially the women are out there getting their mammograms and as well as men if necessary. But our hearts um, goes out to her family, her former teammates, her players. Everyone is just is just heart heartbreaking. So we send our prayers to to everyone. All right, Jim, I'm unmike you, or you unmike yourself, and give me your thoughts, Jim. Well, another life taken too soon. You know, 41 years old, had not coached a game yet at Georgetown. You know, like like uh, my co-host said, we got to do something with breast cancer. Make sure to get your mammograms, checkups, so we can fight it more effectively. Go ahead, Jim. So Tasha Butts is a very special lady, part of the Vols Nation. And um, she is going to be truly missed. We'll continue to keep her in our prayers. Everybody at Georgetown, everybody at Volunteer Nation, her family, and uh, this, this, this dreaded disease that we'll continue to fight well beyond October. Uh, Marvel says we'll continue to fight research for cancer. And yes, we will. But we want to keep her in our prayers, keep her family in our prayers. And uh, we know the Lord is with her. Tasha, but. Tennessee call. All right. Now, we're going to continue on as we normally do. We're going to highlight our woman of the month, and that is none other than Miss Florence Joyner Griffith. She's been our woman of the month for October. We've talked about her records in the 88 Olympics. We talked about her style with the one leg out and the nails. We talked about her controversy. May thought that she was using drugs performance dancing, but never found to be true. But we'll talk a little bit more about at the end of her career, some of the things that uh, Florence Griffith, um, she, she, she did. She once, she uh, attempted a comeback in 1996, that she retired in 1988 on the Olympics with her two records in the 200 meters and in the 100 meters. But she attempted a comeback in 1996 and she was trying to come back and be the first woman to win and set records in three different events. She tried to come back in the 400 meters, but she had some injuries. She was unsuccessful. And therefore, that was the end of her track and field career. Uh, this tremendous lady, we have one more weekend with her, or one more week with her. And um, give us your thoughts one more time. Dr. Kemp, Florence, Jonah, Griffin. Um, yes, it's a, a, just a legacy um, that is definitely missed, but it's definitely um, nice to see that the women in the track and field um, era now have emulated um, Flojo um, with their style and, and always chasing, you know, to beat her record. So she is definitely missed, um, especially when watching track and field, um, but she will always be a legend and a winner. In my eyes, absolutely, Jim Flojo. Well, a couple of brief thoughts about Flojo. You know, she had a Barbie doll made in her likeness. She also mm -hmm. designed the basketball uniforms for the Indiana Pacers in 1989, and yeah. she was on the President's Council of Fitness and appeared in an episode of 227. Mm -hmm. So, she is definitely missed. Flojo. 
Mojo for sure. All right. Let's talk about our woman executive of the week. And uh, we have a special one for you this week. Most of us know her as a member of George Bush cabinet. She was a national security advisor from 2001 to 2005. First African-American to do that. She was the first African-American, let me go back, to be the dean of provost at Stanford University. She was also the first secretary of state African-American, 2005 to 2009. What we don't know, she was the daughter of a football coach, and she had a love affair with sports. Dr. Condoleezza Rice was a competitive figure skater at age 13. She also would go on to pick up tennis, and she would go on later in life to pick up golf. She was the first of two women to ever hold membership in the Augusta National Golf Club. That's where the Masters is held. Okay? She would also go on to become, or prior to that, become the first and only female on the inaugural NCAA committee that set the format that has the playoff system for NCAA college football. That was in 2013. And for those who don't know, a few years ago, she was appointed a minority owner of the Denver Broncos. So she found her way into sports. She loves football. In fact, there was a rumor out that one time they were considering her as the coach for the Cleveland Browns. Dr. Kemp, give us your thoughts. Oh, my hat definitely goes off to the Secretary of State, Condoleezza Rice. It's just such a pleasure and an honor. I'm glad that you brought her definitely to the forefront, as usual, Dr. Burt. Thank you. Um, she was also a um, professional pianist, piano yep. player, uh, which she has definitely played in multiple, played for multiple um, embassies um, around the world. She even played for the Queen which she is, um, and one powerful woman anytime that you are third in line uh, for the presidency if anything were to ever happen. So I think George W. Bush and them definitely knew what they were doing when they appointed her as the National um, Security Advisor. Yep. And and the yeah, yeah. Jim? There, you know, she also was uh, almost nominated to be the vice president when uh, Donald Trump went through his thing with Access Hollywood, there was a private discussion to have uh, Pence be the, have Bush have uh, Trump step down and Pence become the uh, presidential nominee and she would be the vice presidential nominee. Wow. And she also was engaged to, you guys heard this name, Rick Upchurch, a football player for yes. the Denver Broncos. But she, she, it didn't work out, and she said it wasn't going to work, so she got out of that quickly. <laughs> but she is multi-talented and does it yeah. all. Yeah, I, I understood, Jim, that she speaks five or six foreign languages fluently. Uh, and um, there were several trips when she was the Secretary of State um, that she could go on, and she would just get on the plane. They don't even need to bring, it, bring an interpreter. So, you know. She's, she's that talented. Also, being from Birmingham, uh, a historic fact is she knew the four little girls that were bombed in that church in mm -hmm. Birmingham. She actually played with them, and she talked about that before. So she's, she's got a deep history, 
in the civil rights movement. She's got a deep history and a, and a trendsetter, a first in many, many, many things. Dr. Condoleezza Rice. Yeah. All righty. <laughs> All righty. We have another woman that we want to highlight. We're very familiar with her, and that is uh, Dr. Kiki Baker Barnes. She is in her second year, or is a third year, Jim, as the commissioner of the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. It is the only HB, of the five HBCU conferences that is NAIA. This conference, only a few years ago, had, I think, six or eight teams. She added two last year. And she's added two this year, and I think three more are coming. Stillman, right, Jim? Voorhees, uh, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And and there's one more that's coming, too. Wilberforce. Wilberforce. Wilberforce has just been named. So the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, uh, along with uh, the Virgin Islands, which was added this year, and Talladega, will have a membership of about, what, 12 to 14 next year, Jim? 13 right now. I'm sure they're looking to add another one to make it 14. Yeah. Yeah, 13 or 14 from it was only six to eight a few years ago. So she's known as a strategist and a builder. And Dr. Kiki at Baker Barnes is also an executive and a force to be reckoned with. And we just want to make sure we, we noticed her tonight and give us some praise, give us some shout out in our women's segment of Dynamic Women. Now, we're going to move forward with our reports tonight, we said we're gonna keep up with it, and that is volleyball season. Our conference tournaments are right around the corner. The Gulf Coast tournament will be held November 5th through 7th, volleyball down in Boston, Shreveport, Mississippi at the Bazia Paris Community College. And so here's the standings in the Gulf Coast. A three-team race, the conference records, Talladega and volleyball 15 and one, Dillard 13 and two, and Fisk is 12 and three. Then it drops off some defending champs to Landon Smith, eight and seven. Rust is seven and eight. Wiley, six and nine. Oakwood, five and ten. Took a loop, one and thirteen. And Southern University of New Orleans, they are 0 and 14. So things are shaping up in the Gulf Coast as they get ready for their tournament next month. Okay. Now, CIAA, their volleyball tournament will be November 18th, 19th, at least the finals, 2023. At the Leon Leonida S. James Sports Complex in Bowie, Maryland. And this is the way things are shaping up right now in the CIAA. You have six in each division. And the conference record Elizabeth City State, the defending champions, 11 2 in conference play. Bluefield State, 10 2. Virginia State, 6 5. This is in the Eastern Division, no, excuse me, Northern Division. Virginia Union, 2 9. Lincoln, 1 10. And Bowie State, 0 oh, 12. And when you go to the Southern Division, Shaw's 15 0. Fayetteville State, 10 and 2, St. Augustine, 8 and 4, Wisconsin State, 4 and 5, Clapton, 5 and 7, Johnson Smith, 4 and 9, and Livingston, they are 2 and 10. So that's the way things are looking right now in the CIAA. And the last one we're going to give you tonight is the SIAC. And then next week we'll give you the MIAC and we'll give you the SWAT, okay? But the women's volleyball standings in the SIAC, and they also have an East and a West. Edward Waters in the East, 14-1, Albany State, 14-2, Clark Land, 11-4, Benedict, 8-7, uh, Savannah State, 7-8, and eight. 
Fort Valley State 5 and 10, and Allen 4 and 10 in the West. The last four years, they've won the conference championship. Spring Hill 18 and 0, Miles 10 and 8, Lane 7 and 10, Tuskegee 6 and 11, Central State 6 and 12, Lamont Owen 4 and 14, and Kentucky State. They are 0 and 17. So that's the way it looks. The SIEC, the CIAA, the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, and the NCAA Division One. Their championship will be held in December. We'll talk about them more next week. But Nebraska did defeat Wisconsin this past weekend, and Nebraska is number one in women's D1 volleyball. And uh, Wisconsin has moved to the number two ratings. So, volleyball, we're keeping up with it. We said we'd keep up with this year. Jim, tell me, what do you think about volleyball? Those some exciting things coming along. What do you think about it? They started showing on TV. Well, it looks like in the CAC that uh, GCAC, I'm sorry, that um, it's kind of top heavy. You've got uh, what, 13 and 2, 13 and 2, 12 and 3. Yes. So yeah. That's going to be a real exciting finals, a real exciting week, um, championship week there. Yeah. With those yeah. three teams neck and neck. Yeah. But that's not cut out for Landis Smith, number four. They're the defending champs. And they went into the uh, last year, Dillard hosted it. Dillard was favorite. They went in there and won the championship in Dillard's gym. So there's no threat, too. So things are getting very exciting. You're right. You're right. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. Dr. Kemp, what do you think? Volleyball season. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see what happens during the, the conference um, championships, uh, the, you know, the finals. And I can't wait to see what Dillard's team is going to do since we had their coach, Dr. Johnson, on on as a guest as well. So mm -hmm. we'll see. And it looked like you guys, Fisk is in the hunt in the running as well. So I can't wait to see what's going to happen with that conference. Yeah. That, that should be good. Mm -hmm. We want to welcome to the show Fisk University's Hall of Famer, basketball player, Renee Spencer. Welcome to the show. All righty. Now. Let's talk about the WNBA Finals. We thought we were going to see a game five, but we didn't. The Las Vegas Ace, back-to-back -back champions. Asia Wilson is the Finals MVP, and they did it with four players that were hurt. Jim, I'm going to come to you first. Tell me what you thought about that Finals. Well, you know, I hate to gloat, but I said the Ace is in four, and Asia Wilson was going to be the MVP. <laughs> after being slighted in the regular season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, the, the Aces are in a good position where they could bring all their players back. And there's talk that they might add Jonquil Jones. Oh, boy. So oh boy. stay tuned wow. to see what happens there. You know, we don't know if Candace Parker is going to play again or she's going to retire. So mm -hmm. that would be something else well, to stay tuned for. Yeah, I was reading that, you know, Brianna Stewart here in New York has uh, said she's coming back. You know, she just signed to a one-year deal. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but she's already verbally said that she's coming back. And um, I think that that can have some influence on what John Quell does. We'd like to see her stay. I think it's a good rivalry, but it's very clear the Aces are a superior team at this point, and they have a yeah. superior coach. Not to him. Come on, give us your comments. You're not going to let it get off the season, Jim. <laughs> What's your thoughts on the finals, Dr. Marlowe Kemp? Uh, Liberty was almost in there. They made it very exciting with, for the Aces and the game two. Um, 
it was down, of course, to the wire to seconds if you didn't see the game. Um, but it, it was very exciting. But I was really happy for um, the Aces um, because they were, you know, I just really thought that they were going to um, go back to Las Vegas and try to win it at home. And I thought the Liberty was going to actually beat them in game two. But they didn't. Uh, the Aces pulled it out. Uh, but it was it was very exciting, a very exciting game. So I'm happy for them. All right. What about the comment from Renee Spencer in, in, in the chat? She says, Stewart choked in game four. Do you think she got choked? Or did she get locked down? What do you think, Jim? <laughs> well, it, it's been said that not only Stewart, but um, Inescu did not play their best in the final. So, yeah, you know, they, they've got something to play for next year. So we'll mm -hmm. see. Uh, hopefully it'll be a repeat and get those two teams again. Yeah, they really put on a show. But that's good. We're looking forward to it. Um, the WNBA, now I want to bring this subject up. We have a few minutes before the break or one minute. Um, before, it was Brittany Griner's situation. Now that you're going to go the offseason, and we know what's going on in Israel, Hamas, and in the Middle East, Turkey's over in that area. How do you think this is going to affect those players who are still going to go over there and make their money in the offseason this year? Jim, you first. I would not go over there because you not only have that in the Middle East, you still have the Ukraine and Russia. Yes, that do. situation as well. So, you know, I had a... Uh, a mentee that was going to play in Lebanon and he decided at the last minute not to go. So I, I'm hoping that, you know, we will be judicious and think about it and probably not go. Money's not That's worth that. everything. Yeah. Dr. Kemp, your thoughts. And everybody type your thoughts in the chat. Uh, your thoughts, Dr. Kemp, on this offseason for the WNBA players. I think I absolutely agree with Jim. Um, hopefully they decide that they will not go especially with everything going on, because you just never know. They find out, you know, possibly that you're an American, you know, it's a possibility that you could become a hostage or, you know, you just never know nowadays. Um, so hopefully you know, they will just get to the point where they will not just go overseas to, to play. And, you know, hopefully the WNBA will get enough sponsors, you know, we can just continue to raise the salaries uh, for the for these professional women. Yeah. Well, there will be a league, uh, if you remember, Sadisha Collier and uh, Brianna Stewart are starting a league here. Um, so maybe, maybe this will push this league forward. Uh, but we're going to find out. But we just want the safety of all of our WNBA players. Alrighty? So before we take a little break, uh, we just want to go over our standings. Most football teams, switching gears now, uh, the football teams are into their sixth or seventh games of the year. And so we're going to just get a quick rundown for the two Division I HBCU conferences. And here we go. In the MEAC, North Carolina Central Conference record 1-0, Howard 1-0, and South Carolina State 1-0. The conference record, Norfolk State 0-1, Morgan State 0-1, and Delaware State 0-1. It's only a 16 conference in the MEAC in football. Out of those teams, only North Carolina Central has an overall winning record at 6-1. And, yes, they did win the uh, Celebration Bowl last year. Isn't that right, Jim? Yes. And their they quarterback is back. Standing. Yeah, yeah. Now, let's go to the SWAC. And the SWAC has the East and the West. 
So let's go to the East. Florida A&M Raptors in conference, 5-0. Jackson State, 3-2. Alabama A&M, 2-2. Alabama State, 2-2. And, and Mississippi Valley State, 1-3. And, and Bethune Cookman's 0-4. When you come down the West, you have Southern, 3-1. Alcorn State, 3-1. Prairie View, 3-1. Grambling, 2-2. Texas Southern, 1-3. And, and Arkansas, Pine Bluff, they are 0-4. So, again, that big fight up top in the East, Jackson State leading it, Southern leading the West. So, there we have it. Jim's going to come back. we come right to you in a second, Jim. And uh, I just want to say it from Pamela Renee, a qualifying broker, founder, CEO, She's located at 2870 Peachtree Road, Suite 992, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. That's Pamela at pRenaeEstates.com, 4494-4294. She does residential, commercial land, builder, developer, and investor services. Jim, take us away. HBCU football, NFL, Major League Baseball. Unmike them. Right, Jim's having a little technical difficulty, but he's going to come back in and he's going to start with our HBC key games of the week. Uh, one of those key games, Tuskegee defeated Albany State this past weekend. We also had <clears throat> Miles College defeated Allen University. And then we also had where well, Howard defeated Norfolk State. Uh, Jim, are you back in yet? Yes. <clears throat> I'm okay. just going to go okay. over quickly the Division mm -hmm. Two standings with Benedict, the only undefeated team at 8-0. Virginia Union, which lost this week, 7-1. Miles, 6-2. Virginia State, 7-1. Fayetteville State, 6-2. Tuskegee, 6-2. Fort Valley, 6-2. Edward Waters, Five and three with a great win this weekend. Allen, six and two, and Winston Salem at four and four. Division one, you still have North Carolina Central on top, followed by FAMU, Tennessee State, Alcorn State, Jackson State, Southern, Alabama AM, Alabama State, Prairie View, and Howard. Now, FAMU had a slow start against. Uh, Texas Southern, but they were able to pull away and win 31 to 14. Virginia State, which we said had lost uh, their first game this week versus Elizabeth City State Vikings, falling 17 to 16. Howard won homecoming. Over Norfolk State, 21-14, not 27-23, with a with a late fourth quarter touchdown to pull that one out. Tennessee State had a 54-point win, 54 to nothing, over Lincoln University mm. Saturday afternoon in Nashville. All right, get that Dr. Kemp clap. He's Tennessee State. All right. And Steve. And Steve. And Steve. All right. Yeah. Miles defeated the uh, Allen Yellow Jackets 28-21 to win its homecoming contest. And 
let's go to oh, Tuskegee. They spoiled Savannah State's homecoming by winning 21-14 in Savannah. Now we'll take a quick look at the college top 10, where we have Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio State, one, two, and three, followed by Attorney Dixon's Florida State, Washington, Oklahoma, Texas, Oregon, Alabama, and Penn State. In the NFL, we had the Jaguars beat the Saints 31-24. The Bears, without Justin Fields, defeated the Raiders 30-12 under rookie Tyson Badgett. All right. The Browns, with some helps, with with some help from the referees. Defeat rallied past the Colts 38-39 in a topsy-turvy game. The Patriots showed some life defeating the Bills with their crazy season this year. They're up and the Bills are up and down every other week. Mm-hmm. Patriots 29, Bills 25. Giants defeated the Commanders 14-7. Buccaneers lost. Uh, two twice in a row to at home to the Falcons, sixteen to thirteen. The Lions were defeated by the Ravens, thirty-eight. Oh, my bad. Yeah, my bad. I'll tell no, the audience. <laughs> that. All right. The Steelers. Yeah. In fact, on the Steelers, they have been outgained every game this year, but they're still four and two. They wow. defeated the Rams, twenty-four to seven. Seahawks defeated the Cardinals 20 to 10. The Packers fell to the Broncos 17 to 19. The Chiefs beat the Chargers 17-31. The Dolphins played another tough team and lost 17 to 31 to the Philadelphia Eagles. And last Ooh. night, surprise, surprise, the Minnesota Vikings defeated to San Francisco 49ers. Now, I'm going to give you my top five real quick. All right. Start out with the two Super Bowl teams, the Chiefs and the Eagles at number one and two. Yeah. I'm going to have to say, because a lot of teams that I had up there lost, but I'm going to have to put the Ravens as a surprise team as number three and the uh, Lions and San Francisco four and five. The Ravens, number three. Don't you think well they should be number one after the beat the beatdown that they gave Detroit? I mean, no, no. <laughs> well, you know, they still have a loss to Indianapolis and, and another okay. unexplainable loss. You know, the Chiefs and the uh, and the Eagles are the only teams with one loss, so that's why they got yeah. one and two. Fair enough. With honorable mention to the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> Major League Baseball. All right, we well. We have a game game seven tonight with the Phillies and Diamondbacks. But the Texas Rangers are going to be playing in the World Series. They that series, the road team won all seven games. I think Texas has not lost on the road yet. So the Texas Rangers versus either the Phillies or the Diamondbacks. Mm -hmm. And this concludes my abbreviated 
sports good job. good job good job good job i do want to ask this one question and i know we said we were getting started next but nba started um the 26th i guess that's two days from now and i'm just going to get the early preseason thoughts steve your top two teams to come out of the east and tell us on your top teams to come out of the west and why top two and three let's start with the east a basketball analyst steve right what do you think about the east steve nba this year well the east is not as as good as the west from top to bottom but out of the east i'll go with milwaukee uh with number one you know with the pickup of dame dame uh damian lillard and to go along with uh, the 186 million dollar extension man, <laughs> Greek freak, and uh, they've got they've got some pieces. Even though they, um, you know, they gave up a little, they've got some pieces there. Like you're going to see, like the Bochamp kid that's going to play more for them this year, and then you're going to go with Boston, and uh, when. Uh, when they traded uh, uh, Drew Holiday, I knew Boston was going to get him. And I, I said that would be it. The thing I think is going to hurt them is they did have to give up Robert Williams. And mm. I think that I think that's going to hurt them. And then after that, I mean, you've got, you've got Joel Embiid in, in Philly, and you don't know what James, James Harden is going to do. So, you know, <laughs> I, 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 you just don't know. I think the Knicks will be – about where they were last year. Um, I'm probably missing somebody because I hadn't been, you know, I just, I've just i been doing so much college sure, sure. stuff. Uh, well, the 76ers, where do you think about them? I think if if they get hardened, they'll, they'll be good. Uh, but if they don't, they need to trade him or, or, or get something for him because I think with uh, – Anytime you got Embiid, you can pencil in between 28 and 30. And then Tyrese Maxey is is going to get him 23. And I think if you don't have Harden, I think Tobias Harris's numbers will go up because he's always had to play a back seat. And uh, then uh, they, they, uh, they've got a uh, – I don't know if they'll play him. But they picked up Mo Bamba. I wish somebody would play him. Let's see what he can do. And then they've got the Paul Reed kid at the four. And then they've got uh, some guards that are, uh, you know, they picked up Pat Bev, and, you know, he's a pest. And uh, they've got some other ones on the bench like Springer. I don't know how much he'll play. I know he he knows where the basket is. So, you know, it, it's, it, it's really hard to tell. And, and, Jim, don't be surprised if Detroit – I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but they have talent. They have talent. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but they do have talent. Chicago's not going to do anything. You know, they got them for the play in. Steve. Marlon says, what about the Grizzlies? What about the Grizzlies? They're not going to do much. Okay. You got Ja is going to miss 25 games. And then Adams tore his knee up the other day, so he's out for the year. Oh, uh, he tore his knee up uh, and went on and had surgery, so he he's done. And you got Desmond Bain, who's going to be uh, 
the best perimeter player and and Jackson's going to be their star front court player at power forward. But after that, you you're going to be reaching. They've got some pretty decent players, but mm-hmm. to compete in the West and Jaws going to miss that much time. You know, I thought they would be pretty good with job, but I didn't think they would make a run, not in the West, because in the West, when you have uh, Phoenix and the Lakers with what they have and Denver, I'm sitting up here watching Denver up 12 on the Lakers with two minutes before halftime. And I just, you know, I love the Lakers. So I wish Joker would just leave the building because he's more dominant this year than he was <laughs> last year. I wish- Somebody drive a car or something on the floor and hit him or something. He can't stop him. But <clears throat> the West is, they are loaded. I mean, you got yeah. Phoenix, you got L.A., you've got Denver, you've got Sacramento, you've got, um, shoot, I'm losing my train. Like Golden State will still be in there. Uh, the Clippers, the Clippers are going to be good. Uh, they are just absolutely loaded. And I'm telling you, people going to sleep on Portland, but Portland's got a pretty good team. I mean, they're young. They've got a few veterans sprinkled in. DeAndre Ayton can finally be happy. And uh, Scoot Henderson, is a, he's a generational-type player, the, the, yeah. the, the rookie point guard. He's genera- I saw him in, in uh, playing high school when he was like, uh, getting ready to go into his junior year, and I was like, you know, when he made the decision to, you know, go to the G League, I said he needs to because it's not even right. in high school, but uh, injured. All right, but hey, final. Go ahead, final, go ahead. Lakers and Milwaukee. <laughs> All right, well, y'all, let's give him a hand. I just want you to get a sample of what we're bringing on board. Our basketball expert, analyst, none other than Coach. Stephen Wright, and uh, and he's not even fully well with his voice yet, so uh, we have him coming our way now. We want to um, we want to introduce our special guest tonight, Attorney Reginald Dixon. Um, attorney Reginald Dixon is a attorney that practices law in the state of Florida, but prior to that, he played football back in the. 80s, I believe, or the 90s. He played alongside, I understand, Deion Sanders at Florida State. Not only was he an outstanding football player, but um, Attorney Reginald Dixon was an outstanding student, clearly. He would go on to graduate from Florida State University, and he received his bachelor's degree in management information systems. He would go on and get his uh, JD degree from uh, Florida State University uh, College of Law in 1996. He became barred in Florida in 1997. He's held positions in the Office of Assistant Attorney General in Florida, Special Counsel, Director Division of Drugs, Device, and Cosmetics. And he's also uh, worked with the Florida Lottery. We want to ask him about that. He's also produced and believes in education. His son, one of his sons, presently plays for the Florida Indianapolis, Nicholas Nixon. He couldn't be with us tonight. But we are so honored to have with us none other than attorney Reginald Dixon. We're going to unmic you. How you doing? I am doing well. Attorney Dixon. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Are you all doing well? Yes. Today? Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. We're going to ask everybody else to um, meet there for a second. We'll come to you. Well, it's an honor to have you on the show, Attorney Dixon. 
and we have so much to um, learn from you. And uh, and I'm going to just first let our co-host say formally, Dr. Kemp, I know you know him. Say hello, Attorney Dixon. Good evening, Attorney Dixon. Glad to have you on the show. Good evening. Right. I'm happy to be on. It took a, it took uh, a little bit of work. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Jim, let's say hello to Attorney Dixon. Hey, Attorney Dixon, we're excited to have you. <laughs> Thank All righty. Uh, and I'm going to let our newest co-host come to our second year with us, Coach Stephen Wright. Say hello to Attorney Dixon. Attorney Dixon, it's good to meet you. I was a big Florida State fan when you were playing yeah. that. <laughs> hey, I do appreciate it. <laughs> so, and I also want to, before we get started, thank a colleague of ours. We all know her, Risk University's graduate, J Attorney Jalinda Heron, who orchestrated uh, this uh, with uh, Attorney Dixon. And I believe a classmate of his at Florida State University Law School. And we all know she's a great person, and he does too. So we want to thank you, Attorney Jalinda Heron. Thank you for that. Now, Attorney Dixon. Tell us, how did you get involved from in football back in the day in high school, what part of Florida you're from, and how it led you through high school, and then to play for Florida State. And you played for Bobby Bowden, is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I All right. Tell us about it. Tell us about so, it. So I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, that's in the north um, northeast part of um, Florida, if, for those of you not in Florida. So I went to... I grew up, you know, I was a big kid, you know, mm -hmm. I told somebody the other day, I hadn't seen a one in, on my weight in the scale since I was probably in third grade. <laughs> wow. So that gives you a sense, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, of course, playing Pop Warner, playing little league football and basketball, primarily just because your parents want you to have something to do, keep you busy, keep you, you know, keep you in shape, get you off the sofa, that kind of a thing. And so, turns out I had a bit of a talent for it. Um, yeah. by the time I was in ninth grade, I was probably at my full height that I am now. I was six, three in the ninth grade. <laughs> wow. So, uh, but for those of you who played basketball and played sports, you know that I stopped growing in ninth grade. So what that meant was my center of gravity did not go any higher. So my skills were developing while my classmates were still going through growth spurts. Mm -hmm. So, um, I lived on the north side of town. Um, for those of you who are familiar with high school basketball, Reebok High School, or it's Joan Reebok High School, but we call it Reebok High School, is a basketball powerhouse. And so everybody wanted to play basketball. So I really wanted to play basketball, but of course, you know, 6'3", 250, I was more of a football guy. And so had a knack for that, um, realized right around 10th grade that I actually I guess, you know, I was a little bit better than guys and I, you know, didn't really think about it uh, until coaches started saying, hey, kid, you know, this can take you to college, which mm -hmm. was something that was, you know how it is back in back in the, in the 80s. You didn't really think, hey, this is going to take me to college. And so mm -hmm. by the time I was in the 12th grade, uh, me and maybe three or four of the guys on my team were being heavily recruited by some of everybody because back then, you know, I guess it was difficult when you saw a big guy who could run, who could play basketball, who was in shape, that kind of a thing. And so ultimately, four of us from my high school all signed mm. with Florida State that same year. Wow. So 
that was that was a big deal for all of us because we all lived in the same neighborhood. You know, we were all friends. Yeah. Um, and so, but the best thing about that time being in school was when the coaches came to your house, they were rock stars, right? Yeah. When Coach Bowden came to my house, my neighborhood shut down. I mm. mean, streets blocked off, neighbors outside. It was like a, I don't know, like a Prince or Michael Jackson were coming to your neighborhood. Wow. You know, and wow. back then, you know, the team that the teams that we had had so many guys from Jacksonville. Like we had Leroy Butler, who's an NFL Hall of Fame. He was from Jacksonville. You know, we had um, Ronald Lewis. He ended up playing for the San Francisco 49ers. He was from Jacksonville. All these guys lived around the block from each other. So when Coach Bowden comes to your house, that's a yes, right? Yeah. There's no, oh, let me think about it, Coach. Oh, you know, I got other trips to so and so. It was <laughs> yes. Mommy was like, yes. So you're not going on any recruiting visits, right? It was that kind of a thing. And so because he was just the kind of person who could talk to anybody. Yeah. He sat down and he really, really listened to you, listened to your parents and wanted good for you, whether it was football related or not. And back then, coaches were committed to giving you a five-year opportunity to play four years. Whether or not you ever played, whether or not you got hurt, you know, they honored your scholarships. And yeah. so that was something that was impressive back then. And, of course, you know, we were killing it, you know, you know, to brag a little bit. You know, we, we really were a good team. You know, we had a yeah. team, I mean, from 87 – Oh my God, 87 to about 2000. I think we went about 14 years, and the lowest we ever ended up at the end of the season was like number four. Yeah. So we, yeah. I yeah. tell my sons, we would have been in the playoffs every year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they, they don't understand that because, you know, I'm just the old guy. They don't understand that. <laughs> they don't realize how 14 straight years of being one through four, that's crazy talk, right? Yeah. But you you had ninety something scholarships and you had stacks and stacks of talent too. So you know how that goes. Attorney, it, I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, attorney. Just let me ask you this, and we're gonna come back to where you where you're at, Florida State. But before you get there, clearly your academics also had come along with you from junior high, high school, because. In order for you to be an attorney today, your foundation was laid in high school, along with being a great football player, and continued through Florida State as a uh, as a collegiate athlete at a top-notch D1. Tell us about your foundation and what was laid from the seventh or first grade to, to have you at that same level as a student as you were as an athlete. So important for young people. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that was really, really um – well, let me back up. If you know anything about Jacksonville, you know that there are certain parts of the town that, you know, you probably have more minorities over there. And the north side of town was kind of like that, where you had Reigns and Reebok High School. And mm -hmm. I tell folks sometimes that, and they don't really, really see it, um, but I think in my high school class, like ninth, like 10th grade through 12th grade, I don't know if I had a white student in my at my school. Mm. And you had teachers there who had gone to HBCUs, you know, and 
they were going to make sure that you had a foundation. They were going to make sure that you had pride in who you were. And they were going to make sure that if you didn't do something, that phone call to your mom and your dad, it put the fear of God in you because your mom and your dad wasn't going to come off the work like some parents do today and, mm-hmm. and argue with teacher. <laughs> your mom was going to come up there and she was going and she was going to get real, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And so I can tell you, my mom, I mean, I wasn't giving them any problems in high school because when but in middle school I learned that she was going to lay down the law. Yeah. So when you got to that environment and you got these teachers talking to you about college, you got teachers like our, our drum major had gone to FAMU, one of my history teachers had gone to FAMU, one of my teachers was all time lead in Russia at EWC. My best friend, his dad, played football at EWC. So you had a culture of folks who wanted the best for you and yeah. demanded respect from you. And mm-hmm. when you have that kind of environment, you can't help but be successful, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's shameful when you have folks who lift you up, support you in every way you can. They look like you, the kids look like you, they go to church with you, they go to church with your parents. Famously, one of my teachers went to church with my mom. I got in mm-hmm. trouble. She called, she told my mom at choir rehearsal. So not only was I on my way home, but I was gonna get it because you know the principal when the teachers at the school done told my mama on me. So yeah. so when you had that kind of a foundation, it's hard for you not to be successful. And you know, they instilled some discipline in you and they taught you on a college level. You know, a lot of times you had to do your homework in ink, and they told you that's gonna make you pay attention. And the college professor is not going to give you a chance to fix your answer once you turn it in. Mm. And so yeah. that was something that made you pay attention to details. And it taught you discipline. And in mm-hmm. fact, when you got folks who just love you like that, who are all over you, mm-hmm. it's, it's embarrassing if you don't try to do well. You know, yeah. because you, you take all of them with you everywhere you go. And that was one of the things that, that, that they instilled in us. And so when I got to school, I mean, it was easy. It was easy to be where I needed to be at on time because I didn't want to go home and have to face those folks. And not just your parents, right? You don't want to go home and face all those people. Give it a clap to mom, dad, everybody else there. Got a question, I'm sure. We're going to have a couple of them coming, attorney. Uh, I'm going to go to Dr. Kemp first, and then we'll come to Jim. And then uh, I think Steve may have one. Uh, speak with attorney Reginald Dixon, Florida State Seminoles. Dr. Kemp? Sure. Uh, Attorney Dixon, my question is, uh, what advice now would you give to the students, the student athletes who want to, um, you know, possibly become an attorney or just following your footsteps? What advice would you give to them? Oh, that's something I think about a lot because I've got at least one of mine that I'm trying to get to law school. Um, I think the, the two things I always think about before we kind of even talk about what they need to be doing is, they need to think about the culture that we live in now, where everybody wants to be seen, so to speak, and believe that all of their opinions merit publishing everywhere, you know, so everybody can, can see and hear all the things that they do. Well, that's not necessarily a real life situation, that's pretend. And so when you get ready to commit yourself to something, the type of things that you have to think about is it's not a race right you prepare for it 
you plan it out, and then you have to execute. And what that means is for kids now, if I'm in, if I'm in high school, you know, because I used to coach high school football. I coached high school football for about 10 years. And one of the things I used to tell the kids here, I said, look, there are more opportunities for you to get a college degree than it is for you to play in the NFL. So Amen. what you need to do is, even if the NFL is your plan, go through the process of making sure that your backup plan works. All your academics, get your academics, be on time. The amount of time that you spend with football practice, personal trainers, and all the other stuff, if you're good at it, it's going to teach you discipline. Use that same discipline to get your classwork. Because a lot of people think that you could be dumb and play football. You really can't. You cannot understand and read defenses and understand complex blocking schemes, pass protection schemes. You can't do that and be dumb. Mm-hmm. Translate those same skills to the classroom. Think about it, be earnestly involved in it. And then when you graduate, when you graduate from high school, whether you go to college or not, you have a foundation that's gonna be sound and solid and take you through the next part of your career. When it comes to colleges, you need to pick a college that is gonna nurture you and be what you need it to be. Like I said, I had two kids went to Florida State. I've got one at FAMU. Those were the perfect decisions for all three of them. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it's a problem that one is a PWI and one is an HBCU. It's what you need at the time. And so as you work through college, use that same discipline, use that same attitude to approach your work. And then you have all kinds of options because the discipline that it takes to be a student athlete or to be you know, on scholarship, like, like even if you are a musician in school, if you are on you know, an academic scholarship, you still have to be disciplined enough to meet those requirements to maintain your scholarship. Do the things you need to do, set your path, find mentors who are doing what you wanna do. Mm-hmm. Find, people, find somebody that's in the field, talk to them, link up with them, and they will help you with your path. People are always willing and happy to work with you as long as you express a genuine interest in going into a field. I mean, be serious about it, right? I mean, that's one thing, you know, because I tell my kids, be serious and be deliberate about what you're doing. Because if you don't, then nobody else will take you serious. And nobody wants you to waste their time. Yeah. So I think those are the things that student athletes have usually very good discipline. If you could apply that discipline to the rest of your life, then you'll be successful no matter what you want to do. Yeah. Attorney Dixon, I want to ask a question, and then I'm going to have Jim ask you one. Um, that discipline, everybody knows about Deion Sanders, prime time, right? But there's another young gentleman who played for Florida State, Dr. Myron Rohde, who's now a neurosurgeon, who yes, also was playing in the NFL. And we don't hear enough about him and guys like yourself who played at the highest level, so the demand was there, and yet excelled and a pros both, you know, athletically, but also pros otherwise. Tell us about, do you know Dr. Rowley or tell us about it? Because he's um, outstanding too. He's outstanding. He's a little behind me. I know my son, my, my oldest son is getting ready to uh, take the entrance exam to get into medical school. So I think he and Dr. Rowley may know each other. 
what I do know about Dr. Roll from my time when I was at Florida State and you know, he came through, he was exhibiting the type of discipline that you need to get where you want to be at. He came in singularly focused. He knew how to play football. He was going to play football. He was going to be exceptional at it, but he was not going to compromise his mission to be a doctor. And so one of the things that people have to understand is you can go through college and do whatever it is. I could tell you, I personally know probably, let's see, when I was at Florida State, at least three of those guys that I know went to law school, graduated, are practicing attorneys. At least mm -hmm. two of them are, are medical doctors. Three, I'm sorry, three are medical doctors. Um, and then you got any number of folks who have come through who, actually I know another attorney, so there's four of them, five attorneys that all came through that program. And we don't focus on it enough just because no, we don't. in the South, you know, growing up in the South, football is king, right? People yeah. almost treat it like a religion a little bit. And coaches get fired for not winning. And you could be producing great student athletes. One, wow. of, the biggest, one of the biggest things that, you know, kind of, and I'm not a big Miami fan, don't get me wrong, but they fired a coach at Miami who had played there, come through the program, elevated to head coach at a time where they needed to clean up their program. He cleaned up their program, got his graduation rates up in the 80s, but he wasn't winning, and they fired him. Lord, and so, hmm. and so when you think about that, you're like, okay, well, when we hire these coaches, we're hiring them to be football coaches. And if by happenstance they develop good young men with good habits and all these other things, that's a bonus. Mm. That's why that's why having Coach Bowden, that's why when Coach Bowden was there, it was something that you just saw you like, this is crazy how he he prays for these kids, he takes us to church. Mm. He honestly will ask you, Hey, how are you doing? I learned my freshman year, and this is something that will, will be really funny, you'll laugh about it. My freshman year, I thought I should have been playing, but of course, I was physically ready, but I wasn't mentally ready by any stretch of the imagination. And so I'm kind of half behind going through some blocking drills, one-on-one -on -one drills, but they filmed everything. So I'm eating breakfast one morning. The next morning, Coach Bowden comes in, and he happens to walk over to me. He says, so, uh, Reggie, you're disappointed you're not playing. And so I'm kind of looking at him like, good morning, right? And he says, literally, you know, I watch every piece of film here. He said, from the time we told you you were getting red-shirted, I can see your energy level drop. Wow. And he said, you know, attack every day, attack every practice, attack every rep, and that will make you successful in life. And that stood with, that stood with me because that's what I kind of tell my kids. Attack everything that you do, period. Right? Amen. Because if you Amen. go hard, you're going to be fine. Amen. Attorney Dixon, I know we have some questions. I know Jim, who also lives in Florida quite a while, and then Steve, who's been a Florida State fan for years. So, Jim, I'm going to come to you first. A question, a statement. Unmute, unmute yourself, Jim, uh, uh, for Attorney Reginald Dixon. Unmute yourself, Jim. If you can't, I'm going to go to Steve. Steve, I'll let you get your question in first. Steve? Attorney Dixon, it goes back to, and this is not a question, but what sticks out is the discipline. 
if you're an athlete, more than likely you're going to be disciplined. And if you can apply it, like you said, to the classroom, it will really work out because they mature, athletes mature when they are disciplined and then they can focus in the classroom. They, uh, they mature a lot. I used to coach and I used to not- notice uh, how athletes were. But I did want to say, I think Dr. Rowe, was he a Rhodes Scholar too? Yes, he was. Yes. He absolutely was a Rhodes Scholar. I, I thought he was. And another one thing I want to say, and I've always said this, and I'm glad you mentioned it. Do you, re- do you realize how many championships you all would have won if they'd had the playoffs when y'all were playing? Absolutely. Absolutely. I tell you people know. that all the time. I said Florida State might have lost one game. But when the time came, when you had to be playing good, they were the best team that was out there. But there was no playoff. Look, I remember one year we started off 0-2, and we ran off 10 in a row, and we beat Miami, which was ahead of us. Right. We, we went into the final game. I think we went right into the last game of the season, ranked like number – I think we were right, right, right around number three or so. and No, number two. And they and Miami jumped us the last week of the season, and ended up playing for national championship. But we had, wow. and we ended up running off like eleven straight wins. Yeah. So, and see, you know, it's hard for me because, like I said, my my oldest son was on that 2013 national championship team at Florida State. So he's always telling me how good that team was. <laughs> I said that team was good for a year. I said, we had sustained excellence for, for four straight years. Incredible. I, said, I told him, I said, we would have muddied you guys. Incredible. It wouldn't have been close. No, it wouldn't have been. <laughs> no, uh-uh. No, y'all had some wolves. Y'all didn't have dogs. Y'all had wolves. Wolves eat dogs, like Jerry West said. Wolves eat dogs. Jerry West said that. Oh, yeah. It was it, time to hunt. It really was. Yeah. 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 I mean, wow. Attorney Dixon, I want to ask you a few questions. Um on FAMU, your son, Nicholas Dixon, mm-hmm. wide receiver. He's playing as a grad student right this year. They are leading the uh, one Eastern Division of uh, the SWAC. Yes. And last year, and Jim will tell you this, we kept up with it. The beginning of last year when Dion was still in the SWAC, they didn't have all their players the first two games. One of those games was against Jackson State. And they got off the field. But then when they got all the players cleared play, they didn't lose another game that season. Uh, I think I remember correctly. And I think, then I they, they did not get in invited. North Carolina. North Carolina. Right. And then they did not get invited to the national playoffs. And I believe that Coach uh, Sims, Simmons, Sims right. and the Rattlers, uh, they're a little hungry this year. Because they felt like they got a little slighted and they belonged right on that stage with Dion last year. And so is, is that a fair assessment of, of where they stand this year? I absolutely believe that. You know, one of the things I think they got criticized for last year might have been a little bit of their strength of schedule, that they weren't necessarily blowing people out. Mm-hmm. Right. And so and they did play a couple of teams. I think they were Division Two, and they didn't necessarily just blow them out like you were supposed to. But the bottom line is the last three or four years, They've been nine and two. Mm-hmm. And you know how it is. When you have a name, all of a sudden you stay up in the rankings. Like, look, I love Alabama football, but you lose a couple of games and they're still in the top 10. 
because of that tradition and that history that they've shown over the last, the whole body of work over the last five yeah. to seven years. Well, if you go back and look at Coach Simmons' bodies, a body of work, outside of his first year, the last four years, he's been nine and two. Mm. And so I think that we're trying to do is say, hey, look, you guys are going to have to deal with us. Mm-hmm. And you have to be accountable for us when we come rolling through now. And yeah. so the only difference is I think the SWAC has their championship game or whatever it was, or it was last year, I think, like the same weekend or the selection or the celebration bowl or something. It was always yeah. a little bit of a little bit of a um, mix up in that piece of it. So it'd be interesting to see, assuming we went out, would they go to the playoffs or would they choose the celebration bowl? I don't know yeah. what the you know, I think that would probably be up to the coaching staff with the seniors. And it'd be interesting to see what decision they make on that one. Mm-hmm. With a few minutes we have left, we just want to highlight FAMU uh, School. Last year, the athletic program graduated 47 athletes. And so they're doing very well. Nicholas was in that class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're just doing a great job at FAMU. Uh, we all know about the internationally known band, but the football team is doing just as great. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you have to say as far as what you see? with the academics at FAMU, uh, the majors, the environment for learning. I think the ratio is 15 to 1 in the classroom. I was doing some homework on the uh, FAMU. Um, I just think it's a great place to learn. But what do you see as a parent of a student athlete at FAMU for students? I, w- I will tell you this. I think FAMU, one, is a preeminent university, right? I mean, when you go back over the history of FAMU, I think we have probably produced more pharmacists and more yeah. successful business folks in the last quarter of the century from from HBCU and probably in the country. When I was in high school, I remember we were the Harvard of the South. And yeah. I don't think that we I don't think anything has changed. I think the one mm-hmm. thing that what I've seen, you have a nurturing environment for our kids, and you've got folks who have graduated from family who have come back and invested in those kids. And like I said, for my youngest, you know, I mean, I was offensive lineman, mother, two kids, one is a defensive end, the other one's a converted safety. Mm-hmm. Wide receivers are divas, right? They just mm-hmm. are. And they need somebody to be there to, to stroke their ego sometimes and then to put them in their place sometimes. So I mm-hmm. think that was, I think Coach Simmons and that coaching staff was the perfect place for my son. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I mean, it is. You know how it yeah. is sometimes. Yeah. You know, I was the youngest kid, so I know how sometimes, you know, you really have to, you got to kind of dial it down a little bit. And so being at FAMU, you know, being in that environment, that college environment, with those folks who care about their kids because they look like their kids and care about teaching them, making sure that they are successful, you can't beat that with a stick. You know, you got folks there who have a shared background with you. They have shared life experiences. And they are sharing currently those life experiences with you. And mm-hmm. so I would always recommend uh, FAMU. I think that they are. It, it's one of the best schools around. Go Raptors. Go, Go Raptors. Yeah. I remember 20, and I'm aging myself a little bit. I graduated 85 from this because you know, with the attorney carrying our friend. Uh-huh. But one of the common uh, President Humphreys came from Tennessee State to yes, FAMU sir. back in the night. And so we both know a great president um, uh, who, who was at both universities back in the 90s, I believe. 
Yes, uh, President Humphrey. Humphrey. And so we both have, have experienced that. And um, I just want to say, you know, Attorney Attorney Dixon, give us give us a word of advice. Time is running short. We're going to have to have you back. And I know when uh, Nicholas is free, tell him we miss him. We wanted to come on. <laughs> we cheered for him to get that championship this year Absolutely. down there. But um, what advice would you give our audience? Because this goes on many platforms. Many young folks listen to our show. What would you give us? Um, you know, a couple of things I always think about, you know, as you walk around life. And I, and I try to teach my kids this. Um, you never know. Um, and it's a kind of philosophy I have. You never know what people are going through. Everybody's got a human life experience that they're dealing with at any given time. You know, somebody's mom may be dealing with cancer. Somebody's dad may be dealing with losing his job, vice versa. You got kids on drugs, all the type of things that people are dealing with. And all of that leads up to the moment that you encounter them. Mm -hmm. At the very least you could do is be kind to people because yeah. you never know. You might be the only person that's kind to them that entirety of the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Attorney Dixon. Our time's running short. We're going to have to have you back. But stay there for a second. We just want to talk. As we all know, <clears throat> we promote HBCUs. We promote education. And we had a great guest last week. We have a great guest this week. But next week, we have, of course, Coach Morgan Turiano. He is the head coach of Edward Waters College, the hottest team in the SIAC. And they just got in the SIAC three years ago. He's coming on our show, and he's going to – uh enlighten us of what's going on there that's in my addition hometown. yeah that's my hometown yeah. we also have another great guest and we may have two in the same show uh, we're promoting the malcolm bernard college fair hbcu fair let me share what this is it's one of the largest college fairs here in new york new jersey philadelphia area it runs from november 11 november 17th barbara bernard the founder it's in his 25th year We'll be coming, she said she's trying to come on our show next week as well, if her schedule permits to promote this. This fair has over 10,000 students that come and see about 75 HBCU schools on seven different days in three different states. And they also uh, have acceptance on site and all that stuff. So we're gonna promote that. If we can get a schedule, we're looking to have Barbara uh, 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 Bernard from the fair founder on our show. So we're looking to do big things, okay? And we will continue to promote this great education, the great, great educational things with HBCUs. Attorney, President Dixon, you can't say thank you enough to all of our listeners. Continue to spread the word. We're coming on our first year anniversary. Dr. Clifford and friends, and uh, things are moving along. Let's spread the word, and we'll see everybody back in 168 hours from now. Thank you so much. Attorney Dixon, thank you so thank much. You. Go Rattlers. Uh, all right, all righty. Thank you, Attorney Dixon, so much. <laughs> <laughs>